Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. George Affleckin for Mike Smith today and all week. Hope you're doing well today on Wednesday. We've got Baldry's beat now. Now, we just had a conversation with Mike DeYoung, who's the critic for the AG. Uh, here's a clip from uh, that. The principle that I think needs to be um, needs to be addressed here is the one that says, look, um, our province is huge, and having ridings that are larger than some European countries doesn't make a lot of sense. Keith, what are your thoughts on that? You're there with me. What's is he is yep. he spinning this? Is he spinning no, this? There's a, this has been an uh, age-old debate in BC because of our vast geography. Uh, Mike DeYoung makes some good points, but there's also some good counterpoints as well. We've seen a population explosion, the likes we've never seen before in Metro Vancouver, uh, parts of uh, the Okanagan and parts of Vancouver Island. And we've seen a drain of people uh, from the northern ridings, the northern areas, the northern cities. And so we're left in the situation where you've got vast ridings geographically, which have relatively few people, like uh, Stikine has less than 14,000 voters, Nechaco Lake 16,000, North Coast 18,000. You compare that to some of the Kelowna ridings with 47,000 people. Uh, Surrey, Vancouver, routinely 35,000, 45,000 voters in there. And so there's an imbalance that needs to, that is rectified from time to time by an independent electoral commission, which is assigned a task by the legislature. The Liberals attached um, some conditions to protect the outer northern and interior ridings from being eliminated. But uh, now this current commission is not... Um, have the same requirements. Right, so Although, they, as you noted to Mike, they, they do have a 25% sort of leeway they can mm-hmm. they can employ here. But, you know, I, I think what we could see here, as you mentioned with DeYoung, they could add six seats. They don't necessarily have to take away any. Uh, they could just simply leave a lot yep. of the writings intact and just add more seats, perhaps another one in, in the Okanagan mm-hmm. and a couple more in Metro Vancouver and maybe one more on, the, on Vancouver Island. They don't have to come in at six. They can come in at four or five or three or two. Um, well, I mean, I, I use the word gerrymandering, which is an American term, but it's basically um, the ability to kind of go in there and potentially get the writings that you want that you can win. And, and that's, I think, obviously a concern, a political concern for sure for mm-hmm. the BC Liberals. And, and, and uh, is that a possibility that they could have a way to manipulate where these locations are uh, so that they can benefit from that, the NDP that is. To, to do with this this commission, there can be some changes and pushback, though, and we saw that actually in the last round where there was some real grief, uh, for example, in Chilliwack Hope, where the residents there didn't like what the commission was proposing, and there were some changes as a result. But I think the reality is... is um, uh, the liberal a number of us have been pointing those for some time, and Vaughn Palmer sort of hits the nail on the head today in his column. It's the same point. The liberals, the reality is, the population is increasing significantly in Metro Vancouver. And if you want to be a political party to hold power in this province, you've got to show you've got the representation and the support of people in Metro Vancouver, and you can't just simply rely on a smaller population base. So um, will it favor the NDP to have more urban seats? At the moment, it would. Mm-hmm. But the Liberals used to be fairly That's strong right. in Metro Vancouver. There was a time when there was only two NDP seats. Uh, yeah. there were, so if things do swing no matter what is yeah, happening. It, it, as Deong pointed out, it's hard for any party 
party to to manipulate the electoral map for any sustained length of time because the, the demographics shift so often yeah. and so quickly. So moving on to COVID, yesterday's numbers not looking too bad, not not uh, well, heading in the right direction. Shows you we're at a state where suddenly 515 cases sounds pretty good. When, <laughs> yeah. when you go back uh, to a September year ago, or, yeah, or August, yeah. I remember when we hit 50 cases a day, people were, were freaking yeah. out, saying, "Oh my goodness, how can this be?" Now we're we're at 500, and this is seen as a good number because it's not a thousand. But the the numbers are trending in the right direction. So there is there is encouraging signs out there. The daily case numbers are dropping in number consistently. The number of people in hospital has dropped by almost 100 in 10 days. The people in ICU is dropping in number. The positivity rate is declining, particularly uh, encouraging is declining in Fraser Health. The situation report that will be released today, which I've got a copy, shows that yes, um, North Surrey, North uh, Central, Northwest Surrey continues to be a concern with cases, positivity rate, um, and such, and low vaccination rates, but it's better than what we showed a week before. So even the, the worst place, uh, worst hit places right now are showing better results than they were a week or two ago. And again, it's going to take some time to get to the point where we need to be to relax these restrictions, but at least we're headed in the right direction. Had no vaccine. Oops, sorry. Back then we had no, sorry, I lost. <laughs> back then we had no, back when, when we were getting 50 cases per day, we had no vaccine. And we're um, getting a lot of vaccines yeah. right now. We're getting, uh, Pfizer's arriving 276,000 doses a week for this month. It goes to 328,000 doses a week next month. Moderna is starting to come in more reliably, almost 300 doses a month coming in. We're going to have 3 million doses uh, hitting our arms uh, potentially in May and June. That's on top of the 2 million people who have already received one, 2.1 million people received one dose. So we're starting to fly through the age groups. It was announced last night that people aged 37 and over can now book their appointments. I think that'll be dropping down to 34 today. Um, wow. And by next week, it's just basically everybody over the age of 18 is going to be invited to book their, their vaccination appointment. And then we're going to start uh, moving into the schools, I assume. Yeah, we're well, get the school kids yeah. grades uh, age 12 to 17 inoculated as well. So the prospects are very good. Everyone will have one dose by the end of June, and that bodes very well. One of the things that obviously, I think you and I both got the AstraZeneca, a lot of people in in our age group got the AstraZeneca, and Alberta and Ontario both saying they're not going to have it. We're going to talk about the science about that that with Jason Tetro later after 11 o'clock, but it doesn't look like we're going to stop with the AstraZeneca here in BC. In fact, we might get some of the stuff that nobody else wants. Is that what I'm guessing? Well, here? it's interesting. Ontario is getting 284,000 doses, and they're going to use that for second dose only. No one, no one else will get a first dose of AstraZeneca. That's not the case here. You can still get a, your first dose of AstraZeneca. There's limited number of, of AstraZeneca doses out there, about 20,000 sprinkled around the pharmacies of BC. Uh, so if you want to get to AstraZeneca and find a pharmacy, you can still do that. Now, when we get our next shipment of AstraZeneca, and we don't know when, although I note if Ontario is getting 284,000, I assume that means BC will get its corresponding share. We get 13.6% of all the doses sent to Canada, so our share is... Uh, a little less than, uh, a little more than a third of what Ontario gets. And so we'll be getting more, some more AstraZeneca, I assume, based on what Ontario is doing. But I assume those AstraZeneca doses will be for second doses for people like you and me. 
Interesting. That'll be uh, very exciting for us. Well, we had 280,000 people, I think, is the number who've got first doses of AstraZeneca so far. And so I think that's the number of people who need second doses. But it has been mentioned by Dr. Henry and other health, uh, public health officials that they, they're continuing to study what's called the mix-and-match vaccine, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, combining one type of vaccine with another type of vaccine, which is, you know, interesting. I'm not sure everyone's convinced that's the way to go because AstraZeneca is not like Pfizer and Moderna. It's not a messenger RNA vaccine, which is a relatively new type of vaccine. But So uh, we'll see where it goes. And sick pay, the kind of not-so-exciting announcement yesterday by the BCNDP, three days, uh, they'll cover till until January, and then they'll look at something new for then, and, and it doesn't seem like it's, it's as aggressive as uh, we might have assumed from the NDP. Yeah, you know, the, the impression was left that would be more than this. Certainly the proponents for, for a really robust sick pay program are looking for more, at least seven days. Some were looking for 10 days. And given the health protocols with COVID-19, you're supposed to self-isolate for 14 days. So uh, that, can, that can straddle a couple of working weeks. And that means you're only uh, compensated uh, for, for three days. Having said that, I'm not sure how, much, how realistic it was to expect the government to go much further than that. But we'll see what happens in January. That's really when we're going to be post-pandemic, one assumes. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if this can be sustained uh, with a whole new program. Ontario's has a sunset clause at the end of September where there's, there's, their sick pay program disappears. So we'll see if this one can actually become rooted in the workplace reality in January. And real quick, before we take a break and go to calls, uh, Republicans ousting Liz Cheney. That was uh, interesting. Yes. Uh, kind of the point where Liz Cheney looks like a moderate compared to the rest <laughs> of that party. When she, What's her dad think about that? Yeah, her dad. Uh, well, that party is uh, is in Changed. turmoil. Yeah. It's just in absolute turmoil. I'm not sure where they're headed. It could break up. And if they split into two parties, that's music to the ears of Joe Biden. <laughs> it sounds like the, the you know in B.C. with the B.C. liberals and the conservatives. I mean, the music to the NDPs here. Exactly. Putting the vote on the right always helps the center-left. George Affligan for Mike Smith, taking your call, 604-280-9898. Lots of things to talk about, whether it be vaccines, whether it be the legislation being, legislator being changed, AstraZeneca, uh, sick pay, a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, we got uh, Benita from Arrington on the line. Hi, good morning, guys. Thanks morning. for taking my call. I, d- I just wanted to be brief and sh- share quickly that I uh, I, I did get my um, uh, COVID vaccine yesterday um, in the Oceanside area, and um, everything went really well. I got the Moderna shot. I was hoping for Pfizer, but um, at this juncture, they were giving the, the, the community uh, Moderna. Um, everything went okay. I waited half an hour afterwards for any symptoms and um, went throughout my day. Um, the only side effects thus far was um, uh, you, I couldn't sleep on my left-hand side last night. The, the arm mm-hmm. was quite sore, um, uh, more so than any other shots that I've had. And just a li- feeling a little bit stiff, but that seems to be the only vaccine. And uh, it seemed to be running smoothly in the community center, and uh, the nurses were really good if you had any Excellent. questions. Excellent. And so I was overall impressed with, with the whole good, thing. Fantastic. Good to hear. Glad you got your dose. And again, there's um, Moderna is a perfectly fine <laughs> vaccine. We're talking these vaccines have very high efficacy rates. Yeah. 
Uh, there's really not di- much difference between any of them. Some of the side effects of getting AstraZeneca seemed anecdotally to be more noticeable than... Um, Never than before, the- Keith, had I ever thought about what I was, you know, when I get a vaccine or if I take a Tylenol. I don't sit there and, you know, go, I, I really don't. I mean, it's interesting that there's this connoisseurness to, yeah, to this, I know. this vaccine shopping sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's, no, I, uh, I, What you want to do is avoid COVID-19 and yeah. you do whatever it takes to avoid that, which means employing your health protocols, but also getting a vaccine that's available as soon as you can. can. Ben from Langley, go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I've I've lost trust in the federal government and the provincial government in management of vaccines. I was one of the people that got the AstraZeneca vaccine, and now I'm being told that the AstraZeneca is in short supply, and you mentioned that there's some some supply at, at pharmacies somewhere. I don't believe that the government is going to vet the, the mix and match process well enough. They certainly didn't mix and match, or they certainly didn't vet the AstraZeneca vaccine well enough to know that one in 55,000 now is getting blood clots in Canada. But I don't believe that mixing and matching is going to be my best bet. So how can I arrange to get a second shot of AstraZeneca? Keith, this well, d- disappointment in government is uh, something that we hear, but I'm not sure if uh, if they, you know... We're sort of at the mercy of these pharmaceutical companies. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't control um, these these companies. We do have signed contracts with them. Uh, in terms of getting your second AstraZeneca shot, the assurance from public health right now is you're going to have that opportunity. It's Again, it's a four-month interval between the two sh- shots, which may shrink. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to have an option, and Bonnie Henry's, Dr. Bonnie Henry said that, that AstraZeneca people may have an option to get a, a second dose of AstraZeneca or a different vaccine. But again, we're not there yet because it hasn't been four months since they and sign up on the app. If you haven't done the app, then that does the work for you. And in fact, it even geo-targets you based on certain criteria yeah. now. So if yeah. you're in Kensington or some other area of the region, you'll get your call. Colleen from Vancouver. Oh, hello. Good morning, George and uh, Keith in Victoria. Keith, um, this is something completely different. Um, you are probably very well aware of this, but School District 61 has a vote coming up on their budget and they're going to cut musical programs to students in the school district. Mm. I think this is absolutely appalling. I think they should save what do whatever they can to save the music programs. It's so vital for children to learn. I know from my own personal experience, I grew up in Victoria in grade six. The teacher was blabbing on. I had no concept of what she was talking about. And it had consequences. And then in the next year, grade seven, I said to my mom and dad, I've got to have music lessons. I've got to do this because I don't know what they're going to say and Mm -hmm. what's going to be on the test. So I really emphasize whatever you can do. Like I know you, I don't know if you cover the school district, but they've got to, I know the parents are rallying. They are having car rallies and the whole thing. Yeah, that's the thing. Parents are being forced to do really raise funds more. I know that me as a parent on my pack, it was all about raising cash. But the school system, it's all a bit weird, I find, uh, Keith, the the way the province and the relationship between school boards and the control that they have, the decisions the school boards have on programs. Is that not how they decide what they get to keep? They do. So this is my school district. This is quite controversial here. But one of the things that's occurred in the pandemic is hard to muster local campaigns on things because you can't gather in numbers. And the caller mentioned car rallies. Well, that's not the same as having 200 people flood a school board uh, meeting room and, and fit, you know, be in the room with the trustees who will feel the pressure 
when it comes to cutting programs. And it's much easier to cut something on a Zoom call <laughs> than it is if you're in a room with 200 people screaming that don't cut that. Yeah. So that's one of the challenges the parents have in totally. Victoria right now. Uh, real quick, Benny from Abbotsford, last, last caller probably. Yeah, the government uh, needs to change their strategy on the messages they're sending to the general public. They need to scare them with pictures of people that are having a hard time to breathe and dying. Right. They need to tell them that uh, if you don't, we all don't get uh, vaccinated, there's going to be consequences. This thing will keep going on and on. Is this the way you want to live? All right, Benny. This way? Benny That's a good point. Go ahead. Always good to hear from Benny. Um, <laughs> encouraging is the age group vaccination rate. Um, people over uh, 70, 86% of them have taken the, got the vaccine. 70, more than 75% of people in their 60s. We're just starting to inoculate people in the 50s already. 53%. So the way out of this is to obey public health protocols, but also to get vaccinated. And we're showing right. very good progress on the vaccination front, 50% so far.